bookkeepers helping bookkeepers helping business. It's about bookkeeping. It's about how the business does bookkeeping. Somebody is doing the bookkeeping inside every business in Australia. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 316 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Most of you are accountants and tax agents and you are members of CPA Australia, Chartered Accountants Australia New Zealand or IPA, the Institute of Public Accountants. But you probably also work with best agents and from them you might have heard the term ICB. I had never heard of ICB until a year ago and then suddenly... When COVID started and the grants kept coming, I kept hearing about ICB and I wasn't sure what it was. So today let's look at this supposedly new kid on the block, ICB, the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. What is ICB about? Here's Matthew Edison, the chair and co-founder of ICB Australia. So back in the 2000s, a small thing called GST sort of hit our space. And what GST did was really raise the profile of how much work, how much effort and how much assistance bookkeepers and software consultants did for small business. So following the 2000s and GST, working with some of the software companies and their respective partner programs, um, I was quite involved at the time with MYB and its certified consultant panel and other training that it was doing. And we got to the point of going, how do we raise the professionalism of the bookkeepers and the software consultants market? At about the same time, the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers, which is a global network of professional associations founded in the UK, was raising its inquiry level into Australia. And it was talking to some of the same software companies. So really, Heidi, the planets aligned. Our conversations that I was having with the software companies and with their partner programs, as well as the ICB's conversations with those same software companies in Australia, we sort of uh, met together and started then planning a strategy for a professional association under the name of ICB being in place for the Australian bookkeeping and BAS agent community. ICB Global is primarily supported, um, funded and administered from the UK. So ICB UK, Institute of Certified Bookkeepers in the UK, Gary and June Carter as its founding members have been significant in raising and then supporting the launching of ICB into Australia. We have a license fee backed to ICB Global, which is part of the international network. And at this time, ICB Global also provides our underlying infrastructure, so our whole customer relationship management system, our um, CMS content management system for the website is all provided through a network of solutions um, that is coordinated by ICB Global. So, yep, we've got a fee that goes back on a, uh, based on how big we are. And is ICB a not-for-profit organisation? Correct. So we are totally member-based. Um, our members are in control. It's a member voting organisation. It's a not-for-profit organisation. Professional association like the other professional associations in our space, CPA, ICA, etc. And is ICB Global also a not-for-profit organisation? 
Yes. So you were a founding member of ICB Australia. Correct. So combining with um, Gary and June Carter, as I said, from the UK, the founders there, uh, we had a couple of meetings and then uh, with the support of MYAB back in the 2005, we commenced ICB in Australia. And yes, I was the, the uh, founding director and the, the founding member for the Australian organisation. That's very impressive. Well done. Given that MYOB was a big help setting up ICB Australia, what's the percentage of your members focusing on MYOB and what's the percentage focusing on zero? Do you have any numbers? Most of our members are bookkeepers in practice rather than bookkeepers in employment. So by bookkeepers in practice, I mean they work for multiple clients. Some of them might quite comfortably work with two clients. Some might work with 50 clients. Some work with 150 clients. So funnily enough, when you're working with multiple businesses, you're also working with multiple software platforms. So typically, a bookkeeper will be working with some bookkeepers choose to only work with one software platform. Typically, the bookkeeper will work with two or three software platforms. Our recent survey from that was uh, conducted in December uh, 2020, those results were launched just recently. And that indicates that about half the bookkeeping community would use MYB in their own practice and about half they would use MYB in about half their clients. Zero is the other dominant player in our space, and then followed by Reckon and Intuit. Can I make a comment and throw it at you and see what you think of it? To really run your practice efficiently, you can't ride on two or three horses. You need to go with one software and really be strong in that one software. I disagree. I, I am really, really comfortable with some practices deciding to only offer one solution. But what that does is it also says all my clients fit that description. I am very comfortable with a bookkeeper or accounting practice going, you know what, I need two or three different tools in my toolbox to meet the needs of different clients. If I think of the four dominant products in our um, small business commercial space, each of those products has slightly different strengths and weaknesses. They each approach their service delivery and their solution delivery a little bit better, a little bit differently. So there are differences between MYB and Zero. Some businesses absolutely suit an MYB environment, some suit a zero environment better. Some will suit a reckon environment better. Some will suit QuickBooks environment better. So it does depend because there are differences and there's difference in their add-on markets. So those little add-on products that connect to the core accounting function. So Heidi, no, I don't believe it is a definite requirement that you only concentrate on one. I think it is quite acceptable to concentrate on more than one, but I do believe you need to be competent in what you're consulting on. So uh, if you're choosing to consult on three products, you need to be good at the three products. Looking at the um, gap you filled in the uh, landscape to join the other professional organizations. So for example, with Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand, you had to train with one of the big fours and do your professional year called PY. Let me unwind that a bit, Heidi. CPA, Chartered Accountants and IPA, degree qualified typically. There are some diploma level entry ability as well. You don't have to work for one of the big four in order to enter any of those marketplaces. But yes, you need to be qualified. 
and you, based on the level of experience, you can get into the different levels of membership. In the bookkeeping space, quite fortunately, what developed after the BAS agent regime came in was a certificate for level of bookkeeping. That has morphed into a couple of different versions since then, but we now have a certificate for bookkeeping and accounting. And a BAS agent requires that certificate for. We at the ICB require that certificate for. If you don't have the certificate for and you're not doing BAS agent services, we also have some bookkeeping knowledge assessments that are the ICB bookkeeping knowledge assessments. And if you pass those, and I think our pass mark is 80%, uh, then we will also accept you in as a member. So, the gap we filled was that bookkeeping space. Bookkeeping is not, as such, a step or a pathway to becoming an accountant. Bookkeeping is a profession of its own. It sits there with a role in helping businesses with their day-to-day transactions, with their integration of systems, with the way they do business. Bookkeepers are typically a little more hands-on and inextricably involved with some of their clients. Not all of them. Some are a quarter-end bookkeeping experience, doing the bazers or helping with the payroll or reviewing end of year. So, horses for courses. The bookkeeping search for absolutely provides skills into the bookkeeping market. For the other professional associations that are involved in the accounting space, it's different base training required with either the diploma or degrees in accounting, and it looks and feels a little bit differently. And as you drew out, both CPA and Chartered have their induction courses, professional years or similar. Do you find that the recent rounds of government grants, especially the cash flow boost and the job keeper, do you find that they raise the status of bookkeepers or that they change the relationship between clients and bookkeepers? I feel we were there anyway. We were very involved as a professional bookkeeping community with our businesses, with our clients. What has come to the fore is just how involved we were. So the fact that these grants come up and the different state governments or the federal government has different requirements, some of that information is, I was going to say, at the fingertips of bookkeepers, but in some businesses, they're on at their fingertips. In some businesses, the bookkeeper is far more able to get into the business's accounts and extract the information required. So, no, I, I think the COVID grants and support mechanisms have just shown how strongly integrated the professional bookkeeper is with their clients. The best set of relationships for a business is where the business owner, the accountant, tax agent, and the bookkeeper, BAS agent, are working together for the best outcome for the business. So they don't, uh, they'll, there'll be little bits of overlap, there'll be little bits of interaction, communication between them. But when those three parties are working on the same page, it's a far better environment. I agree. I very much agree. This is just a nerdy question. What's the difference between chartered and certified? Chartered means there is a royal charter issued to that organisation. So, yes, it is a UK-generated item uh, where a royal charter exists and um, is the governance 
document for the organisation. So Chartered Accountants has a royal charter. CPA, IPA, LCELs don't have a royal charter. Uh, we have had a look at it. We have gone down that, that line a little bit. I think there's still a journey there, but it's just whether it has been issued a royal charter or not. After that, it becomes name and what functions and what services you provide to your membership. Getting a royal charter is something of the uh, late 1900s. Clearly, there are a number of them around now. There's a number of chartered organisations around now. So while it might have initiated in the 1900s, uh, there's certainly a lot of associations around now that are still a party to a royal charter and have chartered in their name. I see. So you can still get them. You can still yes. get a royal charter. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Hmm. How many members do you have across Australia, roughly? Of our voting membership, we're just over the 5,000 mark. We've got another two and a half thousand student members as on to, in addition to that voting membership. Yes. Just to put that into perspective, do you know how many members are in CPA Australia or ACA ANZ? So for, for each of um, CPA and Chartered, their membership expands way beyond the member in practice. So they have a lot more accountants in, in employment or directors who are also members of their respective associations. So I don't have their numbers in front of me, but in both those organisations, I believe they have far more members that are employed in their job rather than being like the tax agent. So those organisations are substantially bigger than us. As I said, we have five and a half thousand voting members. Chartered, I believe, has something like 130,000 members in Australia and CPA just on about that amount. And when you had to describe how ICB is different to... CAANZ and CPA and IPA, I can imagine that it's very much A, in the networking. So when your members come to your networking events, they meet bookkeepers like themselves. And I can imagine that is one difference. And then the other difference is, of course, that your webinars and content is very much geared to what bookkeepers need to know and not necessarily what a tax agent would want to know. Correct? How we differ from the organisations you've named is we concentrate on bookkeeping. We concentrate on the services, the solutions that a bookkeeper works with. CA, CPA, IPA are more in the accounting tax agent space. And that's where I see we, we differentiate. Now, each of those other organisations does reach down and reach across into the BAS agent space, but we are dominantly and we'll not be an accounting association. We are a, a bookkeeping association with a bookkeeper's voice. ICB has really stuck to helping bookkeepers with how-to guidance, how to be the best bookkeeper you can be. As I mentioned before, bookkeepers helping bookkeepers helping business. It's about how to do it better. And so a lot of our success and our one of our key indicators is are we assisting that bookkeeper to do things more efficiently and to do those things more professionally? And we are sticking to that objective and we seem to be achieving that, which is why our, our bookkeepers members, um, through the feedback channels we have as well, indicate to us that we're, we are hitting the mark and providing the right sort of resource help and support they need. Welcome back. Now, let's look at the time ahead. Your last episode for this year will be on the 6th of December, because after that, you and I, we both 
need a break. So last episode on the 6th of December, and then we meet again in late January. But until December, we have a lot of ground to cover. First of all, you might already have noticed we have changed to two episodes a week from now until December to make up for this gap of two months where you won't hear from us. And there are three big topics I want to really drill deep into with you. The first one is international taxation. We already did some episodes about that, but I want to dig much deeper. The second is property development. How is it structured? What are tax implications? And the third one we haven't covered at all yet is cryptocurrencies. That is the plan. And of course, we will also cover a few other topics along the way. So from next Monday, let's drill deep into international taxation. To prepare, please listen to episode 284 and 285 with Clint Harding about investing and expanding overseas. To rejig your memory about withholding tax leakage for portfolio dividends paid to companies and the NANA treatment of non-portfolio dividends and what happens with phytos that you might get. Next Monday in episode 317, we start with an international taxation 101. Clint Harding of Arno Block Lieble in Sydney will walk you through seven important concepts of international tax, the foreign hybrid rules, the hybrid mismatch rules, thin cap and transfer pricing, CFC's portfolio versus non-portfolio dividends, and then, of course, withholding tax. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.